Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes here. It's a Monday morning in the QC. It is December officially, and that means there's a lot of MLS action happening this month. Charlotte FC going to be preparing its roster for the 2024 season. Who will that roster include? A lot of decisions still yet to be made by the crown. But one thing that we do know, one thing that we know is that Patrick Ajemong will be back for Charlotte FC in 2024. He's a player that, as you know, as listeners to this show, our tremendous friends of the show, that we're incredibly high on. He is somebody that we believe can really make an impact for this club and its new manager in 2024. So what we've set out to do and what I've set out to do on this episode is learn a little bit more about Big Pat. We invited University of Rhode Island head coach Gareth Elliott to the show to discuss Patrick Ajman's career at Rhode Island, to discuss his transfer from Division Three Eastern Connecticut State University to the Division One level, his ability to just absolutely wow at the MLS College Showcase and his physical attributes. Yes, we've seen him. We know how good Patrick Ajimong is. We know all you have to do is look at the second half against New York Red Bulls. When Patrick Ajimong was inserted into that match, the match instantly changed. But what is Pat like off the field? What type of energy does he bring to a changing room? We know about Big Pat's smile. We know about his connection with the supporters. We've seen him do that with Crown Legacy. We've seen him do that in front of 70,000 fans at Bank of America Stadium, connect with people there. Me personally, I find Patrick Ajemong intoxicating. He, to me, is the most interesting player in the Charlotte FC squad by a mile. The sky is the limit for Patrick Ajemong. Why? That's why we have Gareth Elliott here today. He's going to talk about Pat's career. He's going to talk about what type of player he is on the field and off the field. And we're going to learn a little bit more about one of the players that is massive for us moving forward. And by the way, if you haven't listened to our previous episode where we discussed coaching candidates, you'd be surprised to hear who Rhode Island manager Gareth Elliott suggests as a potential candidate that could get the best out of young players on the Charlotte FC roster. Spoiler alert, it's a name that's number one on one of our lists. Let's see who he chooses. You'll hear that next right here. It's Charlotte Soccer Show. Joined now on Charlotte Soccer Show by Rhode Island head coach Gareth Elliott. He's here for one very specific reason, you might imagine, to talk about Charlotte FC striker Patrick Ajemong, a two-time all-conference player at Rhode Island under manager Gareth Elliott. Thank you so much for joining Charlotte Soccer Show. Uh, welcome into to the offseason here. Uh, I hope uh, this 2023 season for you has, has been a good one, and I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. 
absolutely. So I, I think one one thing that we want to do on on today's show is 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 learn about uh, Patrick Ajemang maybe uh, before a, a lot of Charlotte FC supporters got to know him for for MLS Next Pro Team Crown Legacy and obviously getting some first team minutes with with Charlotte FC as well. Uh, you know, Patrick was at URI for for three seasons. He transferred in from Eastern Connecticut State University. And when you start reading about his story, um, it, it's it's phenomenal, both both on and off the field. So let's just kind of start at the genesis with you, Gareth. You're, you're coaching, you're managing this squad, you're, you're looking around for talent. How did Patrick get on your radar? Well, so it's always difficult to find quality strikers, right? Quality attacking players. You always keep me ear to the ground to hear if you know somebody knows about somebody or, or whatever. So we, we had a player on the team actually at the time. We just lost our starting striker. So we were looking for an elite level striker. And uh, we had a player on the team by the name of Derek Arhan. He's another Connecticut lad. And uh, he knew of Patrick and he knew he was friendly with Patrick. And obviously he was playing Division Three level at the time. But you know, when you when you quickly Google him, you see he scored a lot of goals at the Division Three level. Now, I'm I'm a, a former forward myself. You know, six foot four, six foot five, a little bit like Patrick, but that's where our similarities would end. Um, you know, obviously he had went to Division Three and scored, you know, over twenty goals. I think was his sophomore season down there. And goals to me at any level are are, are goals. You know, that that knack for putting the ball in the back of the net. You scored 20-something goals in any level of college soccer. That's a, that's a huge tally. So Derek had mentioned that he was friendly with Patrick, and Patrick was maybe interested in making the jump to Division One level. And then for us, our eyes lit up. It's like, you know, maybe he can come up here and, and you can be best buddies with him at URI for the last couple of years of your careers. But, uh, yeah, so after that, you know, Patrick, you know, soon, you know, jumped in the transfer market basically and, and said, you know, I'm listening, I'm, I'm looking to move to Division One. And, you know, we had some conversations, sort of found out what he was all about. And, you know, he came up for a visit. You know, we showed him around the campus, the area, the facilities and whatnot. And ultimately, it ended up working out where he was able to transfer into us. It was a mid-year transfer. So it was a transfer in the spring. I think it was spring of uh, 21, maybe. So it was, uh, it's good timing. So he was able to get that full spring semester under his belt with some, you know, some friendly games and some training before he really hit the ground running in the fall. You've been at uh, Rhode Island for, for now 11 years, which is a great run. Congratulations on that uh, to begin with. So you've seen a ton of players uh, come to the program as freshmen, players transferring in uh, as well after success at, at a Division three level like, like Patrick had at um, Eastern Connecticut State. So my question, you know, for someone who has seen a lot of players, evaluated a lot of talent, what was it like um, when, when Patrick showed up on campus and, and how quickly did he get integrated into the squad? I mean, the first few weeks, you know what it's like in the in the way. Well, maybe you don't. The winters in the Northeast are kind of cold, so we're out in the turf practicing the cold. But right away, he stands out just due to his size and you know athletic abilities. You know, he you know six foot four, six five, maybe, and you know the explosion there, stop, go, jump, all the rest of it, and just a supreme athlete. So it was very, it was evident very early on that he was a fantastic athlete. As we got to see more and more. He got to, you know, we're playing some small side that the roster in the spring isn't as big. So, you know, you're maybe playing six aside, seven aside, something like that. And, you know, he started banging in those goals. And and I think there was a, a chip on his shoulder maybe a little bit. Uh, maybe I don't know if he would or wouldn't say that, but 
you know, maybe was under recruited coming out of high school and, and ended up only going to Division Three. And so he was like, well, you know, I, I want to prove, I want to show that I can do this at the Division One level. So his first few weeks in practice that spring were very, very impressive. So again, he's not a player that can hide very easily out there. And he definitely stood out initially for us. I read a quote uh, by Patrick, I think when he was uh, kind of reflecting on his, his time and his journey, he talked about, you know, being in that Division Three program and Googling players to see whether, hey, are there any guys uh, that played in Division Three or playing professional soccer? Because he wanted to give himself that belief, that opportunity. Yeah. And and I think he got that opportunity at, at URI. Yeah. It's a place for him uh, to come and, and kind of put his talents up against other players in Division One. And you talk about his impact, you know, physical, uh, physically uh, and uh, emotionally there as well. He's somebody I think that uh, Charlotte FC supporters and people here in the Carolinas have have really come to enjoy and, and love because he seems to be putting all of this hard work in with a smile on his face. Yeah. Uh, was that the attitude yeah. as well yeah. uh, he, on the squad? He's a guy that lights up the room. You know, you see that big smile, you know, good good looking young man. He's got that personality, a little bit of swagger about him, but he's always he's always smiling and laughing. You know, you see, you know, I, I follow him and, and Charlotte a little bit, obviously, because, you know, he's playing there, so we have extra interest. But, you know, you see him in some of the interviews or some of the video cameras, the clips that they do for the club. And, you know, he's always, he's always making people laugh and smile, I feel like. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And I think, you know, ultimately, you know, you know, this as a, as a manager, um, you know, there's, you can have the talent on the pitch between the lines. Uh, but when you get to the professional level, you know, and, and some college levels as well, because there's, there's some good support in NCAA soccer, yeah. um, but specifically at a place like Charlotte, where you can draw up to 70,000 fans for a massive game and, you know, regularly have 25,000 fans in that building, you have, you have to find a way to, to relate to the yeah. fans, to, to create that connection. And it's yeah. so unique to soccer. And, and he's been able to do that here uh, yeah. in Charlotte. So that's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on the show today is yeah. just to kind of understand where this is coming from. Well, you, um, you see the personality in the celebrations, you know, I, I don't know, it's, uh, you know, whatever he's doing now. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Making the phone call. Call Pat. Yeah. You know, Pat. Yeah, call Pat. If you need something, call Pat. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, so, I mean, I, I think uh, MLS is, is, is so unique. It's the super draft uh, is coming up. Players all across the country are going to be drafted into to MLS here. Um in a few weeks on on December nineteenth, the college showcases this week. During that college showcase, I mean, there's just gonna be players from from all around the country showing out, putting their skills on display. I mean, how deep is the talent pool in NCAA soccer this year, mm -hmm. and, and how is how is college soccer impacting the growth yeah. of NLS? Yeah, I mean, there there is a lot of talent in college soccer. Um, I do think it is getting more and more challenging to make it in the MLS. Obviously, the league is growing and it's getting stronger every year. I mean, a lot of these development players, they come in, especially in those attacking roles, you know, those number nines, those number tens, those positions that, you know, Pat's more like of a number nine, a striker. A lot of the clubs are really plumping a DP into those spots. So for Pat in his first year as a rookie, to get the time he did and have the impact he did is very, very impressive. But there, there is a lot of talented soccer players out there. Again, I often say the difference between the ones sometimes that make it and the ones that don't are the mentality. And, you know, we talk to Pat, we talk to our team all the time and, and he's great, you know, really good. It's just stay hungry, stay humble. And and that's what he's, he's able to do that. He's able to keep working. And I keep telling him, you know, the second you think you've made it is the second that it's over. So you get, you just got to keep the head down and keep working hard and keep proving every day, every day in training, every day in games.
and uh, he's been able to do that in his rookie season. Uh, fantastic advice from from a college manager, somebody who's shaping the lives of all these young men. Who you know, you're somebody who's who's uh, been around the block, who's been around soccer for a long time. And when you've got these young kids coming into your program, uh, I think that that type of advice, that type of leadership, you can tell um, that that Patrick showed up at the professional level and was was coached in a way that prepared him for the moment. And you know, we've talked about goals, right? We've talked about his ability to get on the end of a of of a cross, his ability to to use footwork inside the box and, and slot one easily home professionally, really. But I think one thing for me that stands out, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this is, and this goes back to, to URI as well, um, 2021 season as a junior. Uh, he's got six assists. Uh, he has a, a pair of assists as well in his redshirt senior season. And that's that's pretty impressive for somebody to have that goal scoring acumen, but also uh, be able to distribute the ball as well. Uh, how good is his passing? Uh, he's good. He's dangerous. Well, I mean, the reality is if he if he isn't central and he's played down the line, he can still run past people and he can put a ball in the box. And, and the one thing about Patrick is that he really can hit a ball with both feet. So it doesn't matter if he's going down the left or down the right. He's got that ability to hit a good ball across. He's got power and pace and accuracy in it, which is helpful. And he's he's really not that selfish. You know, he's, you know, most strike good strikers have to be a little bit selfish, but he's really not that selfish. And with some of those, you know, statistics there, it shows that he's okay with giving somebody else the glory. He doesn't need the glory. He's happy to pass that ball to somebody else to tap the ball in the back of the net if he knows that's better for the team. Um, we did have to work with him a little bit in, in terms of he, the ball would go out wide and, and Patrick initially would like to go out wide and, and try to combine. I said to him, big man, you know where number nine score their goals, right? It's not out wide. It's in the box. So go get yourself in the box, and we'll get deliveries in there for you to get in the end of. But uh, no, he's uh, he doesn't mind setting up people as much as scoring goals. Love that, and and you can tell he he loves the celly after a goal. But uh, when he when he assists a goal as well, the attitude yeah. and, and and the happiness for his teammate is is just as high as as it is when he puts it in the back of the net himself. Yeah. Um, you know, one other question that I have for you, and I really do appreciate your time today. This is this has been fantastic. Yeah. Um, is getting a consistent run of games at the MLS level, right? That's kind of what the next step is for Patrick. He's done that at MLS Next Pro with Crown Legacy. Right. Um, but that situation kind of got awkward in this first season because his his results were so good. His, he made such a good impression on the club. So all of a sudden he started getting in those those first team uh, squads and maybe only getting a few minutes at the, at the end of each match and then trying to go over to Matthews and play for MLS Next Pro and get that full 90. But he hasn't been asked to, yeah. to play – you know, regularly for the first team, he played regularly for you. What was it like? Was he somebody that you could count on physically? Uh, did he have the fitness ability to to get injected into your starting eleven every match? Oh yeah, his uh, he was phenomenal. I mean, he's one of the first names in the team sheet. Obviously, every game. I, I think the thing that people don't realize, even when he was in college and when he was at the Division One level, you know, there was two and three guys marking him usually at a time. Because they knew if they didn't, if they put one player on him, that he could turn them, run past them, you know, beat them pretty comfortably. So he really got double and triple team most of the time in college. But yeah, yeah, he was one of those guys. You give him a run of form, he's he's gonna he's gonna prove it. He's gonna show it. I mean, obviously, it's Charlotte. It's been in and out. I think it's a very very difficult situation to be in. You know, he was he's called off the bench a lot, coming off cold into a game, trying to impact the game off the bench maybe not getting enough minutes to truly stay match fit. That was really tricky. You know, I talked to him a little bit during the season, but it's it's a, a tricky part of 
you know, you're bouncing between Crown and Legacy playing 90 minutes a game, and then you maybe go play 10 minutes off the bench for Charlotte. And how are you supposed to keep that game fitness up, that sharpness up, if you're not playing in those games? Then you go back and play with Crown and Legacy. Well, if that's not the group you're training with, then maybe you don't know those guys as well, and you don't know their tendencies, and you, you know, maybe it's just not all as gel. But certainly, some of the goals he scored for Crown and Legacy were kind of amusing in a sense maybe he might run 50 60 yards with the ball and slot one in but uh no he i think he proved it i think if he's given a, a, a long enough opportunity for the first team i think he can score a lot more goals and that's what we're trying to do here on the charlotte soccer show just identify players who heading into the 2024 campaign could possibly step in play increased minutes you mentioned charlotte fc's situation at striker and and right now with enzo capetti with carol swiderski it's really tough for, for Patrick Ajaman to find the minutes there, but with a potential Swiderski move uh, in January, uh, not necessarily knowing how the club is going to spend uh, that money, bringing another DP, maybe in another position, knowing how, how well uh, Patrick played and knowing the salary that he's on, he could be one of the most valuable players in MLS at this point in his career, which is, which is crazy to say, but I truly believe that as somebody that's watched him play at this level and now talking to you, yeah. uh, uh, realizing this isn't just something that popped up uh, in the yeah. last year or so. Yeah. No, he's, uh, I think he was drafted 12th overall in the first round. I think yep. the, the people that I talked to anyway say if there was a redraft, he'd probably be drafted second behind the uh, Duncan McGuire from Orlando City. He scored a lot of goals and had a lot of success down there. But, I mean, I think he's also a player. He's young, right? He's still, he's still a rookie. He's still young. He still needs to sharpen up certain parts of his game. But he, I think he needs a coach who's going to give give a chance to young players. You know, you know, some coaches more than others give a chance to those young players. And we have a former alum here, uh, Jeff Cameron, who had a fantastic, you know, I think it was a four or five year run in MLS before he went over to the Premier League in England. And that was Dom Kinnear was his coach down at uh, Houston Dynamo. And Dom Kinnear really gave the young players a chance. And Jeff went very quickly from Division One College to MLS starter to MLS All-Star to the Premier League. But, I mean, if you don't get those opportunities, but then I, on the flip side, you're one of those coaches and you have this DP making a few million dollars a year. And if, if results aren't going the way you want them to go and your DP sitting on the bench, it's, it's just an awkward situation to be in. But, no, I'm, I'm convinced that Pat gets a longer run, gets a little bit more time, gets you know, has a coach that believes in him and is willing to give you the chance. I, I think we know he's an exciting prospect. But I keep telling him there's definitely some parts of his game that can still be sharpened. And to me, that's the scary thing. You know, you look at him athletically, and he went to the MLS Combine. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but some of the tests they do at the MLS Combine, they do a 10-meter test, a 30-meter test, and a vertical leap test. Well, out of the, all the players in the MLS Combine, the best players in college soccer, he was first in the 10-meter, first in the 30-meter. I think he was like fourth in the vertical leap. And what that tells me is that, that athletic potential, and even watching him, he was a great athlete in college. You watch him play in the MLS, he still looks like a great athlete. And we know there's great athletes in the MLS. If he's able to run by some of those MLS guys, we know they're not slow. So he really is a phenomenal athlete. But no, I'm excited for his next season for sure. It's it's remarkable because you say that, and in my mind, I just picture the injection at halftime in, in the play-in playoff match against New York Red Bull, and he was quickly the most dominant player on the field for both sides in that 45 minutes of play. You could just see what it looks like, and I, and I think hopefully this this new manager comes in. And by the way, 
we call uh, the listeners to our, our show here in Charlotte tremendous friends of the show. I, I'm going to consider you one of those at this point. I don't know if you've been really? looking uh, at, or listening to the backlog of episodes, but we are, our last episode was coaching candidates, and we ranked okay. our top five yeah. uh, coaches that we'd love to see come in yeah. and manage this team. And number one on my list was Dom Kinnear. And yeah, yeah. he's somebody that, you know, I think has, has the right MLS experience, has the ability to manage young players. Yeah. So if I could just follow up with you on, on Dominic Kinnear yeah. and, and as potentially somebody that could come in and, and manage this Charlotte team, um, why, why would you think he would be a good player for this club? I mean, I think, he, I, think he's, I think he's proven his time in Houston. He did a uh, fantastic job there. And he, again, I'm speaking from first hand from talking to Jeff Cameron, who I'm close with. And, and Jeff, I think a lot of the players, he's a player's coach, right? And I think that's what you sort of need in today's world. The old dictator coach and, you know, just do what I'm telling you to do thing is, I think that's over. But I think Dom, you know, from the signs of it, again, I don't know Dom personally, but it sounds like he can really relate to the players and get the best out of his players. He's been there, done that. You know, you're looking to give young players a chance, bring through. I think I think the squad is, has got quite a lot of youth in it. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like from watching them and seeing them play, there's a fair amount of youth there. Uh, and you give you give Dom the resources and bring him in. You know, I, I think that would be a good hire. But again, that's uh, way above my pay grade. Uh, it's. I think you're spot on, and you're somebody that's been been around, obviously, the block and been in the man managerial role here at URI for more than a decade, which is, again, congratulations on that. It's a fa fantastic, yes. fantastic run there. And, you know, just yeah, hearing you say that, yes. I mean, you're talking about Patrick Ajimal. You're talking about Kerwin Vargas, the young Colombian, Ben Bender, a young American as well, uh, who came out of the Super Draft. Adelson Melanda, uh, a very young center back who, you know, potentially um, people think could ha ha has the skills to, to make yeah. a move over to Europe. But yeah. there's a there's a base here for sure. Yeah. And and that's why we're kind of diving into this roster uh, as, as we turn the page to 2024. Uh, yeah. Coach Elliott, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you, meeting with you, meeting with you today. And there's an open invite, by the way. You know, and I know you, you've got a busy schedule. Um, you know, the transfer portal's open. Yeah. You're you're putting this roster together for 2024. Yeah. But the good news is that the MLS season starts in early March. Yeah. You know, if you can find some time here in the spring yeah. or the summertime yeah. to come down to Charlotte, yeah. uh, we'd love to hang out with you and awesome. and spend some time uh, watching Charlotte FC. Uh, well, it'd be great. We were down just to put a cap on it. We were uh, last game of the season. We were down at Davidson College. And uh, Patrick actually came along to the game. And we happened to beat Davidson in the last game of the year, which we couldn't do the year before with Patrick. So we're giving them a little bit of stick there, you know. <laughs> Fantastic. Love it. Um, well, awesome thanks for see, having me on. Yeah. That, awesome to see uh, players, uh, you know, stay in touch with their their school and kind of remember where they came from. So cheers to that. Cheers to you. And I hope to talk to you soon. Maybe see you soon down here in Charlotte. Thanks very much, John. All the best to you. Fun conversation right there with Rhode Island manager Gareth Elliott. A pleasure for him to be on the show. I feel like I learned something. I hope you all learned something as well. Gained a fresh perspective thinking about Charlotte FC's young player, Patrick Ajemong, and realizing that he was a professional soccer player, I think, many, many years before he got to Charlotte FC. He understood what his goal was, and here he is living out his dream. And one thing I think we've learned after talking to, to Coach Elliott is, is that Patrick Ajemong is somebody that is hungry and that's ambitious and wants to contribute more for this team. And that's exactly what we want to hear on Charlotte Soccer Show. 
stay tuned. Again, I, I mentioned it being a, a very, very busy month for Charlotte FC. We have a ton of content coming your way this month. I mentioned uh, during the interview that the MLS College Showcase is this week. MLS Cup will be played on Saturday between Columbus Crew and LAFC. Two teams that I believe Charlotte FC beat during the 2023 season. So there's some belief and some hope for things next season. Next week, the trade window opens. It's waiver season. Free agency opens as well. Then the Super Draft just a few weeks from now as well. It's going to be a really, really busy month for Charlotte FC. And by the way, the club still needs to hire a manager. We're going to be here to cover it all on the Charlotte Soccer Show. I'm John Hayes. It's for the crown, baby.